0: We're delighted that you've joined us for another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak. Today we continue a series of studies on the doctrine of the person and work of the Holy Spirit, messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought taken from the pen of the great 19th century preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon, found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Our devotional for today is entitled Blessing on Littleness. The text is Psalm 115, verse 13. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. This is a word of cheer to those who are of humble station and mean estate. Our God has a very gracious consideration for those of small property, small talent, small influence, small weight. God careth for the small things in creation, and even regards sparrows in their lighting upon the ground. Nothing is small to God, for he makes use of insignificant agents for the accomplishment of his purposes. Let the least among men seek of God a blessing upon his littleness, and he shall find his contracted sphere to be a happy one. Among those who fear the Lord, there are little and great. Some are babes, and others are giants. But these are all blessed. Little faith is blessed faith. Trembling hope is blessed hope. Every grace of the Holy Spirit, even though it be only in the bud, bears a blessing within it. Moreover, the Lord Jesus bought both the small and the great with the same precious blood— and he has engaged to preserve the lambs as well as the full-grown sheep. No mother overlooks her child because it is little. Nay, the smaller it is, the more tenderly does she nurse it. If there be any preference with the Lord, he does not arrange them as great and small, but as small and great. <laughs>
1: The quiet waters near the flowing stream.
0: An indispensable part of the Christian life is daily Bible reading. If you're looking for some guidance in the study of God's Word, we're happy to offer a very helpful but brief brochure entitled, Ten Commandments of Bible Study. Prepared by several ministers of the Free Presbyterian Church, including Dr. Alan Cairns, it will help you to gain much blessing from your time in the Scriptures. The method is designed to help believers achieve a comprehensive knowledge of the chapter contents of the scriptures and to enable them to use that knowledge to guide and quicken them in their personal prayer lives. For a free copy of Ten Commandments of Bible Study, simply email info at org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish to call us, you may phone 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. If you prefer regular mail, simply write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Increase your knowledge of God's Word by requesting your free copy of Ten Commandments of Bible Study. For many weeks, Dr. Cairns has been studying the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Today, he commences a message dealing with the Spirit of Promise. From passages in the Gospel of John and in the Book of Acts, we read of Christ's promise of the outpouring of the Spirit upon the disciples. In introducing the subject, Dr. Cairns calls particular attention to Christ's words found in John 7, verses 37-39. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified." In the course of this message, Dr. Cairns will explain the difference in the Holy Spirit's work in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Now Dr. Cairns commences this message, The Spirit of Promise.
2: We're going to read God's Word today. We're continuing with our studies in the person and work of the Holy Spirit of God. And we're going to read some verses in the book of the Acts and then in the Gospel of John. A brief Bible reading, Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. We will, at a later stage, come back to the book of Acts and uh, look at it in the second chapter somewhat more in detail. And then we'll be reading in John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Being assembled together with them, we should insert the word Christ, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not Many days hence. Chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. John 7 verse 37 In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Amen. The Lord will add his own blessing to the reading of his word for his name's sake. This morning we will want to look at all the passages that we have read, but particularly. Uh, we'll be paying attention to John chapter 7. Verse 38 says, He that believeth in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. The Feast of Tabernacles was the last of the children of Israel's yearly national observances. This Feast of Tabernacles lasted for seven days, and during that time the people commemorated their nomadic life in the wilderness when as a nation they had left the land of Egypt and they went on their way to the Promised Land. They commemorated those 40 years of wandering in the wilderness during this Feast of Tabernacles by dwelling in booths. Then on the eighth day they held what was called an holy convocation. And uh, on that day they celebrated their exit from the wilderness and their entrance into the Promised Land by abandoning their booths and by returning to their regular dwellings. Altogether, this period of the Feast of Tabernacles was one of the most joyous times in the calendar of Israel's national events. It was a time that was full of symbolic ritual. For example, during the seven days of the feast, Each day there was a solemn procession as they took water from the pool of Siloam in golden pitchers and they carried it into the temple of God. And this for them was a memorial of how the Lord sustained them those years in the wilderness and provided water for them in that desert land. Significantly on the eighth day They had no water-carrying procession because this was the day that symbolized that they were now in the land. And of course the land was a land of hills and valleys of fountains and rivers, a land that abounded in springs of water. So the Jews declared their satisfaction with both the temporal and the spiritual state that they were in in the promised land now it is significant that on that very day the great last day of the feast when with great exultation the jewish nation was expressing itself satisfied with its condition the lord jesus stood up and he cried saying If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. That is certainly a wonderful verse. May interest you to know that that was the text through which one of America's greatest ever preachers and uh, men of God was brought to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the text that the Lord used three distinct times in the experience of David Brainerd to convict him, to save him, and to call him to full-time missionary service. What a text! It has it in it a glorious declaration, for the Lord Jesus is saying to the Jewish people, There is no ground of satisfaction in the religion of Judaism, there is no ground for you to be satisfied because of legal observance or because of all the ritual. You've been carried along on a wave of religious fervor, but you need more than religious fervor. You need the living Christ of God. You need You need the real spiritual life-giving water of grace. And Jesus man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. What a revelation that Christ is giving. I personally, he is saying, am the source of all life and all salvation. I personally am the only one to bring a man out of the wilderness of sin and bring him into God's salvation. And what an invitation. If any man is rich, let him come and pay for it. Thank God that was never found in the lips of the Savior. If any man is strong enough and will to work for this, let him come. Thank God that was never in the lips of the Savior. But if any man thirst, if any poor sinner feels in his heart an aching void, feels a need to be reconciled to God, feels a need to get a drink of the water of life so that he will never thirst again. If any poor sinner feels within him this thirsting after God's salvation, let him come. Dr. Paisley often says that the only qualification you need to be saved is sinnership. Let a sinner feel that he's a sinner, and that Christ is the only Savior, and he needs no more. Let him come without money,
0: without price.
2: Let him come without strength. Let him come without merit. Let him come without delay. What an invitation! If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. But I Poor sinner comes to Christ and drinks. He gets a full salvation. Because uh, the Lord Jesus followed those words with a glorious promise. He that believeth in me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe in him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Today I want us to deal very simply and I emphasize that because we do come to some deep water in places and uh, I don't want to drown you, I simply want to deal with this as plainly as possible. I want to deal simply with the text and the promise of the Spirit, the promise of the Spirit. And we will be looking at Acts 1. For Jesus speaks of the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Ghost, the promise of the Father which He have received of me, and its fulfillment in Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, God fulfilled the promise in the pouring out of his Spirit upon his people. Now let's look at the basic text in John 7, and remark first and foremost that there is a marked difference in the work of the Holy Spirit before Pentecost and after Pentecost. We have read of the promise of the Spirit that they that believe in Christ would receive. And then we have this statement, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given. The word given is italicized because there is no word corresponding to it in the original. It's a very good insertion by our translators. It's as good as any you'll get. But it is simply saying the Holy Spirit was not. Because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, this is a statement that raises some deep theology, and a very important question as to the relation of the Holy Spirit to the saints of God before the Lord Jesus was glorified. In other words, the person and work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Here, those who are what I would call ultra-dispensationalists have a field day. I was reading a book by a European writer of that school, just checking on it yesterday again to make sure my memory wasn't faulty, And he certainly was uh, going to great lengths on this particular topic and pointing out what he believed were essential differences between the Old Testament saints and the New Testament saints. Uh, This is a school that wants us really to believe that in some way the Old Testament saints were saved by keeping the law. Whereas the New Testament saints are saved without the keeping of law, purely by grace. This is a school that wants us to cut off from the body of God's church forever. Men like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is a school that wants to separate them not only now, but for all eternity. One as a heavenly people, and the other as an earthly people. Two elects, two peoples of God, because of essential differences between them. And according to this school, the Old Testament saints were not regenerated at all by God the Holy Spirit, though they admit that he could fill them, and did fill them for periods of time. It will not come as any surprise to people who have listened to me preach a few times to hear me now say that I totally, absolutely, categorically, can I make it any plainer, disagree with that notion, absolutely. And uh, without going into very great detail, let me give you something to think about. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13, the Apostle quotes the psalmist in Psalm 116, and he says, we having the same spirit of fear, according as it is written, I believe, therefore have I spoken, we also believe and therefore speak. Now, I want you to get this the importance, not, I'm not dealing with the quotation, but with the preamble to it. We, says Paul, have the same spirit of fear as the Old Testament writer of Scripture. Now let's get this very clearly Then We are being told that in the Old Testament, David had the spirit of faith. Not only so, but he had the same spirit as Paul had. So that it begins to look a little strange to deny a real regenerating work of the Holy Spirit in Old Testament believers.
0: You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org.